0: This, we've been looking at the process that God uses to change our hearts and to change us. So how many of you over this series have identified at least one area in your life that you are hoping to change? Go ahead and raise your hand. All right, so there's some folks like like every week that are perfect. You're like, there's actually I'm actually too good, I need... Some sin in my life is what I need, okay? <laughs> Just kidding, All Right? But maybe uh, some of you are hoping to get out of debt. Maybe you want to do better with money. You're hoping to improve your marriage. You're hoping to get in better shape or take better care of your health. You're hoping to get your house more organized. You're like, I'm going to Marie Kondo this house, right? Uh, you're hoping to advance more or do more at work. You're hoping to improve your relationship with your kids. And if you're joining us online or you're here Uh, I want you to know that we believe in hope, that hope is good, that one of the main things people need in their lives is something to hope for. But I'm going to share a statement with you that might seem a little controversial, so you're going to have to let me unpack it before you write me a mean email, okay? Uh, Hope alone won't change your life. Habits will. So let me unpack that and let me explain that a little bit because I want you to have the right habits. Uh, let Let me illustrate this. Last Wednesday morning, think about your Wednesday morning this past week. I'd be willing to bet that once your alarm went off, you basically did the exact same thing that you did on Tuesday morning. That's kind of what we do. We have our morning habits or our morning routines. For example, uh, your alarm went off and then you either hit snooze or you didn't. We talked about that a lot last week, right? You, maybe you hit snooze, maybe you don't. Uh, and then you got up. And you went to the restroom. That's, unless you, does, everybody goes to the restroom, right? Like, what do you, you just sit there? What do you do? Like, so everybody gets up, you go to the restroom, and then uh, maybe you checked your phone, you checked it. Maybe that's the first thing you did. You're like, oh. any texts, any mentions on Instagram, any. But he liked my TikTok, right? Maybe, maybe you did that. Maybe you're very spiritual and you just went right to your Bible reading. I love you if you did that. Uh, and then you probably took a shower, right? Unless you're one of those people that shower at night. Raise your hand if you are a night showerer. That is so weird. I don't get it. Like you just you just get up and just get dressed like some psychopath. Like you, that's so weird. My daughter-in-law showers at night. And she goes, well, you go to bed with all the junk and funk from the whole day on you. And I'm like, that's true. And that's what I do. And I'm used to it. So leave me alone. Okay. So, but then maybe you got, you get some coffee, you got some breakfast, and then you probably drove to work the exact same way or you went to class the exact same way that you always do. And I'll bet if I was there and I met you at work and I would say, do you remember driving here to work? You'd be like, no, I don't. Isn't that scary when you like wake up while you're driving? Wait, did I pass Platteville? I did. <laughs> yeah. So we're, we're such creatures of habit. Duke University uh, did a study and they said that 40% of what you do daily isn't a result of choices but of habits. So if we want to change our lives, we've got to change our Habits. Now, I want to be very clear about this. The Holy Spirit is the only one who can truly change the heart of a man or a woman. It all starts with the Holy Spirit. But we can resist Him, we can push Him away, or we can embrace Him and allow Him to, to um, bring fuel to the, the changes that we're doing in our lives. It's up to us. But big changes are often a result of small changes in our habits, If you got on a plane at LAX in Los Angeles and you were headed to New York City, but the pilot, as you were taking off, did a three-degree shift to the right of the nose of the plane. That would only be a few inches at that point. Over the course of the entire trip across the country, you wouldn't end up in New York. You would end up 250 miles south in Washington, D.C., just one small adjustment and change over the course of a long distance brings about big differences. Same with our lives. One small change in, the, in our, the course of our habits over the course of our entire life brings about big differences. So the big idea today is don't underestimate what God can do through one small habit. So we're going to look at the life of a guy in the Bible. His name is Daniel. And we're going to see the power over that God can bring about through one small habit. So in 587 B.C., King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon and his army invaded the nation of Israel. They attacked Jerusalem. They did their best to wipe Jerusalem from the face of the earth. They, they burned down the, the temple. They sacked it. They took everything. And then what they did is they chose the best and brightest and best looking of the, the young men and they brought them to Babylon. Now what he would do to try and break their spirit a little bit and try and make them leave as much of Israel in the past as he could is he would sit at the gate as they marched them in. And they would march these guys in and they would make them walk into the city naked so that they would leave as much of their past and their identity in the past. Then what they would do is they would give them Babylonian clothes. They'd give them Babylonian names. They would teach them the Babylonian language. They would make them experts in Babylonian literature. They did everything they could to indoctrinate them and make them Babylonian. This is the ultimate form of peer pressure that they came up with. But there was this young man named Daniel, and he had three friends. In the Bible, we know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, And this is what the Bible says about these three guys that were brought through that same process. It says, to these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. So God gives Daniel the ability to interpret dreams. But we don't see him need it till much later. This is teaching us something. Sometimes God will put something in you that you don't understand and you don't really, uh, it doesn't make much sense. But you're going to see what God is doing later. Everybody say later. later. When God needs an oak tree in a certain place, he doesn't go and transplant an oak tree and move it there. He drops an acorn there 60 years before he needs it. And that's how God is working in your life too. He's doing, he puts this gift in Daniel far earlier than he needs it. And he puts experiences and wisdom in your life far earlier than you need it so that later on, when it's time, you're an expert. Does that make sense? So let's go back now to Daniel's life. So the king has, King Nebuchadnezzar has these uh, nightmares, several nightmares in a row. And he can't understand them, he's frustrated. So he calls all of his wise men, his magicians, his astrologers, his sorcerers, and he says, Guys, I had these terrible dreams. So I need you to give me, tell me the dream, and then tell me what it means. And his sorcerers and his astrologers are like, king, um, that's impossible. Tell us what the dream was, and we'll tell you what it meant. And he says, no, I'm not going to do that. And then this is what he says. The king replied to the astrologers, this is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I'll have you cut into pieces and your house is turned into piles of rubble. But if you tell me the dream and explain it, you'll receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. So tell me the dream and then interpret it for me. No pressure, right? He's like, tell me. That. I've always wanted to do that with a psychic. I call him up and say, what am I wearing? You know what I mean? But then I'd be paying him $3.99 a minute and ah, whatever. Okay. But that's pretty much what he's doing. He's calling these guys and he's saying, look, if you, don't, if you can't do this, I'm going to have you killed and they can't do it so he starts having them killed he's so frustrated he starts having them killed and daniel hears about it and he goes to his friends and this is what he does then daniel returned to the house and explained the matter to his friends hananiah mishael and azariah or shadrach meshach and abednego he urged them to plead for mercy from the god of heaven concerning this mystery that is one of the biggest understatements in the bible he's like guys they're coming to get us They're going to kill us. We need to pray. I bet they didn't say, okay, let's pray. Dear Lord, help us. Amen. No, 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 no. I bet they were shaking the gates of heaven. You know what I mean? God, please, God, help us. So that he and his friends would not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven. So God answers Daniel, gives him the dream and the interpretation. And he goes to the king, and he says, not only do I know what this means, I know what your dream was. The king is blown away. He falls down on his face, and this is what he says to Daniel. Surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you were able to reveal this mystery. Then the king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished many gifts on him. He made him the ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge. Of all of its wise men. What was the secret habit or the key habit that gave this ability to Daniel? We're gonna look at it in chapter six. But the king is promoting Daniel, and all of the other wise men get jealous, which is interesting because if it wasn't for Daniel, they would all be dead. You get what I'm saying? But that doesn't matter. They see that God is elevating Daniel, and they get upset, and they're jealous of Daniel. Have you ever done something for someone, and not only did they not appreciate it, they hated you for it? Raise your hand if you've ever been unappreciated in your life. Now, point at them if they're here. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. Don't. We don't want to start a fight, okay? If you've ever felt unappreciated, then you can understand how Daniel feels right now. Because these guys not only are mad at him for being promoted, they're hating on him for what God is doing in his life. Some of you have people hating on you, and you don't know why. Let me tell you, it's because of what God is doing in your life. They don't hate you. They hate what God is doing in your life. So go ahead and let the haters hate. You just keep doing what God has told you to do, and you just keep moving forward. Now, to be fair, there are probably some people that don't like you because you're a jerk to them. So we'll talk about that in another sermon. Okay. Just want to keep it real. (laughs) So these guys are jealous. And they're trying to find some kind of flaw in Daniel's character. in something in his integrity. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So they come up with an idea. They go to the king. And they're buttering the king up. King, you are so wise. You are so, you're a handsome man, king. You're the only 300-pound man we've ever seen that pulls off skinny jeans. Like you, (laughs) you're, we know you're 60, you look 35. Like you're just, and we think you're so great that we don't think anyone should be allowed to pray to anyone except you for the next 30 days. We don't think anyone should pray to anyone except you. And if they do, we think they should be thrown in a den of lions and the king's like well that sounds pretty good so he signs it into law and he signs it in a way in such a way that the Medes and Persians would do that he could not retract it it was unretractable so then daniel finds out what has happened and look what daniel does we see his habit in this passage daniel 6 now when daniel knew that the writing was signed he went home and in his upper room with the windows open toward jerusalem he knelt down on his knees Three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as was his custom or habit since the early days. So Daniel finds out that the king is going to kill anyone who prays. And Daniel not only prays, he opens his windows and he prays publicly. Do you see the habit that set Daniel apart from the very beginning? He prayed three times a day. And that prayer gave him the power to interpret dreams, that prayer gave him the, the, the courage to stare down a king. And we're still talking about him 2,600 years later because of this habit that he had of praying three times a day. The, the idea, I think, what Daniel's teaching us is don't underestimate what God can do through one small habit. So the question for us today is to become what God wants you to become, what's one habit that you need to start now, when we start talking about starting habits and good habits, oftentimes people will make these big goals. Like, okay, all right, I'm going to start something new. I'm going to get in shape. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to enter a triathlon. And it's like, so tomorrow I'm going to ride my bike 10 miles. And then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for a run the day after. I'm going to start eating right. And, and it's like, well, slow your roll. You know what I mean? Maybe, maybe we start a little smaller. We're not all Jessica Cooney, all right? <laughs> <laughs> She's here right now. <laughs> You know that we have an Ironman triathlete in our church. She's, yeah. She's amazing. So instead of that, maybe, maybe, maybe we start a little smaller. Let's say that you want to have a, a stronger, closer relationship with God. Well, you could go and, and become a monk and live, you know, in a monastery. You sure could. Or what if tomorrow, you said, I'm starting a new habit. I'm not going to look at any social media or check my email or check my text on my phone until I do my Bible reading. Just one small habit. That one change, I promise, would change the trajectory of the rest of your spiritual life. One habit. One small change. Or maybe you said, I want my kids to have a strong spiritual legacy. I want them to know Jesus. Okay. Well, you could pull them out and put them in private Christian school. or You, and you could certainly do that. Or you could say, tonight before we go to bed, we're going to pray together. I'm just going to pray with my kids. Pray to, or, or, what Diana and I used to do when we dropped them off at school. We would pray, pray with them before they got out of the car to go to school. That was our habit. One small habit. Maybe you want to be better connected with your employees at work. You want a stronger team. Well, what if you said, I'm going to start one habit. I'm not going to ask anyone anything about business until I ask them something about how their life is going or how their day is going. So before I say, you didn't have a cover sheet on your TPS report, I'm going to say, how was your weekend? How, were your kids, how was your kid's birthday party? You see, can you imagine the difference that would make in terms of the strength of your employees and your community? People would want to talk to you. I promise you that. So I do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and I've only told you guys that about 713 times now, um, mostly because I want you to think I'm cool and not complain. And so, so when I go there... Uh, everyone there wants to choke me out, right? Everybody, that's the goal. That's why you're there, right? I know half of you are probably like, I'd like to choke you out too, but that's different, okay? So, so when I go, and before we start, uh, we start grappling or rolling, what I, it's my habit, and I've done this since the very beginning, part of it, uh, I'll say, hey, I'll ask them, so tell me, what do you do? Or tell me something, i am just ask them something about their life. Tell me, so are you married? Do you have kids? What's it? And, and I just do that partly because I'm a naturally curious person and partly because I care about people and I want to get to know them. And so that's what I do. That's my habit. The other thing is it gives me a little more time to catch my breath before we really start, you know. But anyway, um, beca- because of that, now and then as time goes on, I'll, I'll, next time I see them, hey, how's your kid doing in college? How's the new baby? How's, has your wife found a job yet? You know, whatever. Because of that habit... More people have come to this church because of me than any other thing that I've ever tried. I've, we've, we've got, I don't know, maybe 12, 15 people that are part of our church now because there's some in this room right now that are here because of that one habit. You see the power of one very small, simple habit? I wonder what God wants you to start, Maybe you want to be more organized. You say, God is a God of order. I want to be organized. Okay, so, so instead of you know, going all Marie Kondo on your house and decluttering and all that, what if you just said, tomorrow I'm going to make my bed. I'm going to just make my bed every day. That's going to be one habit that I start. The Bible also talks about the negative power of habits. Hebrews says, and let us consider how we may spur one another toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together or not, not stopping going to church, not quitting church, as some are in the habit of doing. But instead encouraging each other all the more as you see the day approaching. So some habits will pull us closer to God and some will pull us farther from God. That's what this is saying. So how do we create a new habit? Let's, let me run through this real quick. Number one, make it obvious. This is a very simple illustration of how habits Work. It always starts with a cue. Uh, there's some kind of cue you see, and it creates a craving or a desire. So you respond, and then there's some kind of perceived reward attached. For example, the cue let's say that you're standing talking to someone, and your phone buzzes in your pocket or it dings. And so there's the cue. You go, Oh, now it creates a craving. I want to look at it. Did someone text me? Did someone like my selfie on Instagram? Did someone share my selfie on Instagram? So there's this craving or desire, and you respond. You're standing there face-to-face with someone, and you go. Right? There's the response. And then you see, she texted me back with a heart. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. There's the reward, right? You get that little dopamine rush when someone. So, So we can hijack this system. In a good way to create new good habits. For example, let's say you want to start reading your Bible every day. But you forget. It's in the drawer. You, so what if you got your Bible and you put it right next to your coffee mug in the morning. Or right next to your cereal bowl. Then when you get there, you're going to see the cue, the Bible. You know that you want to start reading it more. And that will hijack this process in a good way. Does that make sense? Or, so, so my, my doctor told me. i got to tell you, man. My doctor. We're kind of like friends, and I, I wish that dude would go to jiu-jitsu just so I could choke him out, man. The things he tells me, you know. I'm like, my back hurts. He goes, well, if there was less in the bed of the truck, the suspension would work better. Can you believe that? He told me that. I hope he's watching right now. Anyway, so one day he tells me, he says, hey, a man your age should be on a multivitamin a man my age, (laughs) dude, anyway, and I was like, yeah, you're probably right, I should get a multivitamin, so I went to Sam's, and I bought the bottle that's like that big, you know, took them home, I put them under my sink, and for like a year, they just sat there, didn't think about it, because it wasn't part of my habit, there was no cue, I didn't think about it, but Diane, it was important to her, so she figured out a cue for me, she bought me one of these, and I was like, no way, nope. I'm not using that. She goes, "Why?" I said, "Those are for old people. My grandma used to use those. I am not going to do that." So now I use one of these. <laughs> she puts my vitamins in it, puts it right next to my toothbrush, and every time I see it because I want to be healthy, there's the cue. I take them. She puts all kinds of stuff. I don't even know what I'm taking. So if I ever you okay. But that one cue changed everything. I take them every day now. Well, about I forget something. But most of the time, I take them. This is James Clear. He wrote a book called Atomic Habits. And one of the things he figured out was that he started experimenting with the power of small habits. And one of the things he figured out was to make a habit stick, we we have to make it easy. So let's say, for example, you want to start journaling. Say, I want to start writing. Okay, cool. Well... I'm going to write a 1,000 words a day. I'm going to write a paragraph. No, don't, don't, don't start with that. What if you decided, I'm going to write one sentence every day? Just one sentence. You could do that. That's, that's easy. And then if you write two sentences after a few days or a few months, you might say, you know, uh, if you write one sentence, then you say, I'm going to write two sentences. And then I'm going to write a paragraph. But you won't go to two if you don't start with one. Let's say, uh, for example, you want to pray with your spouse, but you're, you're intimidated, it's a lie, like I don't want to sound dumb or whatever. What if you just said, every night before we go to bed, we're going to hold hands, and we're going to thank God for one thing. Thank you for this house, thank you for a great day, thank you for our relationship, thank you for healthy kids, whatever. And you, and you just do that. That's easy, you could do that. And then maybe after a while, you would start thanking him for two things. And then maybe you would start to ask him for some things. And maybe you would start praying together. But you won't get to two if you don't start with one. So make it easy. Uh, Maybe maybe you want to start going to the gym. You want to start exercising. Say, well, before you go buy a $3,000 exercise bike and hire a trainer and all, what if you just said, I'm going to do one push-up Every day before I shower. You're like, Angel, what's, what's one push-up going to do? What if you just I'm just going to do one push-up? You could do that. might be hard. <laughs> but you could do it, right? Eventually, you could do it. And then maybe after a few days, some of you had flashbacks to high school gym right there. <laughs> Coach, rushing, I'm trying. Okay. You do one push-up. And then after a while, you do two push-ups. And then maybe you do five push-ups. And then maybe you add some squats to get those glutes looking good. And before you know it, you're walking down the beach with no shirt on. And you, but you won't get to two if you don't start with one. I think that Daniel had this figured out. And I think that he hacked it in this way. How many times did Daniel pray every day? Three. How many times do regular normal people eat every day? three, right? I think what he did on this, the Bible doesn't say this, but I'm just speculating that Daniel used his meal times as cues for his prayer times. So in the morning, he'd get up, eat his Fruit Loops, and then he would say, it's time to pray. Then he would get his Taco Bell bean burrito, then he'd say, it's time to pray. If you eat a Taco Bell, you better pray, right? <laughs> and then he would eat his ramen noodles, and then it was time to pray. I think Daniel figured this out 2,600 years ago. He made it obvious and he made it easy. And we're still talking about him today because of the power of his one habit. Now let me finish with this one last thought. Well, what, how, how, how big of a difference could it possibly make? And what is God thinking when I'm doing one push-up or we're thanking him for one thing or I'm writing one sentence? Look what Zechariah says. Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. When you hold hands with your spouse and you thank him for one thing, God's not like, that's it? You can't do any better? You know what he's doing? He's saying, look at them. They're trying. I'm so proud of my kids. When you do that one push-up, he laughs too. I'm not going to lie. He probably laughs. He's like, oh man, come on. But, but you know what else He says, He says, my son is trying to take care of the body I gave him. I'm so proud of my son. So don't beat yourself up for small changes because those small changes equal big, big differences. Let's pray. Father, you know every situation. You know us better than we know ourselves. So I pray, God, that you would drop into our spirit that one small change that you would have us make so that we could be be all that you've called us to be whether it's praying or reading our Bible or whatever whatever you're calling us to do, Lord, would you give us the, the strength and the, not just the courage, but the, the fortitude to stick with it that make that one small change. We trust you and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: So you might be sitting here today and say, you know what, yes, I need, uh, there's a lot of things I need to change, a lot of habits I need to change, but above all, all things, I need my heart to change. And one thing Angel said is the Holy Spirit is the only one who can change the heart of a woman or a man. And the way that we give the Holy Spirit access to our life is inviting Jesus into our heart. And so today we never like to close this service without giving you an opportunity to do just that. And so we're going to say a simple prayer today. There's nothing magical about the words, but it's actually your heart behind them. And so if you would just close your eyes and bow your heads and repeat after me, God, I know that you love me and you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. Forgive me for every wrong thing I've ever did, thought or said. Come into my heart, make me new. I choose to live for you from this day forward. In your holy name we pray, amen. If you said that prayer for the first time, I wanna say congratulations. Welcome to the family of God. We are so excited that you chose to make that decision today we know that this is just the first step in your journey with Jesus. And so we just want to help you along on that journey. So if you said that prayer for the first time, if you would take out your smartphone and scan this QR code that is up on the screen or on the seat backs in front of you and just click on new believer, we just want to send you something in the mail just to help you on that salvation journey. So this week uh, we have a lot of things that are going on. Uh, We have tonight, like we said on the video, the Connect Group training at 4 p.m. This is only for those new Connect Group leaders. So, and we are also going to be having our Connect Group signups on February 18th. So get ready for that. Hopefully next week we'll have more information and you will be able to sign up. It is my favorite time of the year. Do not miss out on that day. Now, do we have any ladies in the house? Woo-hoo! All right, that's, that's a lot better than 9.30, 930 service. I, I give you guys props. So we are having our refreshed Galentines event this Thursday at 7 p.m. It is going to be an amazing event. You do not want to miss out. If you have not registered, if you would take one of these little flyers that they're giving out at the doors, on the back there is a QR code to register for the event. We just need to have a count of how many people are going to be here. That way we have enough of everything. But don't miss out. Invite your friends. Invite your family. Go knock on your neighbor's door. Invite them. Okay? We have Discover Mosaic on February 18th. If you've been a part of Mosaic Church for a while, you say, this is a wonderful church, but I really don't know what you guys believe in. This is the event for you. You can sign up online at this QR code, or we also do have a sign up at our Welcome Center. Uh, It is a great time just to know about Mosaic and what we believe. Now, next Sunday, does anyone know what next Sunday is? probably because none of our teams are going to be there, but it's the big game event. I can't say another word. So it's the big game event. But so that day we are going to all wear our jerseys. And you can rep your team, even though they're not in the big game. And have fun. So we're going to continue with our last act of worship today. And I really, really like this part of the service because it is a time that we can physically demonstrate how much we love and we trust Jesus with not just our heart but also with our